At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is officially midnight Pacific, which means no matter where you are in the continental 48 states, it is now a college basketball Saturday, ladies and gentlemen, filled with over 130 games on the betting board. Greg Oops Peterson going to take you through as many games as humanly possible in this next hour. You, If you have any games that you want fired in, at GUnit underscore 81 on Twitter. No game too big slash too small as we talked in the last hour about everything from Kentucky versus Kansas to Western Kentucky against Middle Tennessee. So we have some fun coming up there. If you want a missing first hour of the show as well, you're able to catch that on the Visa and Bets Bets podcast. And we wound up having Dave Ross on while I'm talking about the AFC and NFC championship games. So for those of you guys looking for that, have no fear. We wound up hitting that in the first hour. And when it comes to the title games out there in the NFL, Going to give you guys my picks and analysis on both of those tomorrow on this very show. 1 to 4 a.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Pacific time. So we've got you guys covered with a little bit of everything. But how about if we wind up going through this game of 775-776 on the betting board? We're going to be starting here for the final hour of this Greg Peterson experience. And it's a game between UMKC, which stands for the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and they're going to be taking on Omaha. Omaha, to the surprise of absolutely nobody, is finding themselves as an underdog in this spot. You're going to be getting them on the open right around a 5.5. We're seeing a few straight sixes out there, but seeing mostly 5.5, your total on this game, you're getting it anywhere between a 146.5 and seeing as high as a 148. When it comes to this total, I do lean to the under. You've got a UMKC team that... They just year in and year out are in the bottom 75 with yards possessions per game. They wound up throttling up a little bit when they wound up coming off of a COVID pause. But that said, this is still a team that they really do hang their hat on defense. Now it comes to Omaha. If you want a really, really bad defense, here you go with Nebraska Omaha. This is a team that they rank in the bottom part of college basketball with regards to points a lot on a per possession basis. There's 358 D1 teams. They are 358th with regards to the amount of points that they allow on a per-possession basis. Per 100 possessions, 117.2 points allowed. So that is not too great right there, and it is really, really just grody in general. But with that said, they're a little bit better at home than they are on the road. They are only second worst at home when it comes to points allowed on a per-possession basis. So there is a little bit of improvement there. 
And when it comes to UMKC, this is a team that they're a little bit short in. They're going to be without Josiah Alec once again. A six foot eight gentleman that shoots in the mid 30s from three point range has been able to give this team double figures. Now, Evan Gilliard has been able to do a nice job for this bunch. He winds up coming in from New Mexico State, has been able to give the team right around 12 and a half points per game. So he's been relatively rock solid with that aspect. I want to personally setting my line at a five and a half. At five and a half, I can tell you right now, I would much rather lay five and a half rather than take. Five and a half with Oma. This is a unreliable Mavericks team, but with that said, you've also got a UMKC bunch that they're relatively unreliable themselves due to all these injuries. And for Oma, you've been able to get a little bit more going with this team recently. You don't have a single guy that gives you more than five rebounds per game, but Kyle Lutke does give you eight points right around four and a half boards per game. You've got a pair of guys that have now been able to give you double figures. You've got a guy in Felix Lametti along with Darius Hughes who have been able to do a solid job there. Nick throwing there, Nick Ferrarini as well. All these guys give you between 9.7 and right around 10.5 points per game. Promise you don't get anything on the glass whatsoever out of this team. And for Oma, they do shoot 34% from three. That's right around league average in college basketball. Promise. They allow opponents to shoot 39.2% from three-point range. Jume Casey, not necessarily a team that's going to go scorcher on you from distance, but you have a guy in Anderson Cop who he winds up coming in from Lamar as they able to shoot over 40% from three-point range with right around 9 to 10 points per game. So I do think that there's a lot of issues for Oma in this game, despite the fact that they're at home. Wanda making them a 5.5-point underdog at 5.5, like we're seeing right now at most books. I'm going to be willing to take UMKC laying it. And when it comes to this total, I did why I'm saying it at a 139. Oma has been very brutal on defense to say the least, but at the same time, they're not necessarily too efficient on offense. And this is also a UMKC bunch that when it comes to possessions per game, they've ranked in the bottom 75 in all of college basketball really ever since Billy Donlon has gotten there as the team's head coach. So we're going to be taking an under in this spot and willing to lay up to five and a half. When it comes to UMKC, let's see if we've got any more requests that we've had fired in right away. If not, you're going to have Greg being the gentleman that winds up picking this game on the board. And it looks like I'm going to be picking this one as how about if we wind up going with an interesting game out there in the ACC, we're going to go 735, 736. Virginia is going to be hitting the road to face off against Notre Dame. The fighting Irish are finding themselves a favorite in the spot and finding themselves a relatively good size favorite in this spot as well. Finding mostly force out there total on scheme and we're between 124 and 124 and a half. When it comes to Notre Dame, I wound up saying them only a point and a half favorite. Now, Notre Dame has really been able to do a good job of being able to stroke it from three-point range. Paul Atkinson has been able to do a nice job down low for the team. Double-digit amount of points, right around six rebounds per game. But I still take a look at this Virginia team. I do think that there's a lot of fight. I think that they're the better coach team. Mike Bray has been able to get as much as he can out of this bunch of the season. But with that said, I do still have my question marks when it comes to a guy like a Blake Wesley. He's been able to get the team double figures, but... Isn't necessarily a great three-point shooter, not necessarily much of a facilitator. And then when it comes to Virginia, got a pair of guys in Kia Clark, along with Reese Beekman, who actually do a good job of being able to run this offense. 9.2 assists per game between the two of them. Both give you a combined about 12, or not not 12, more like 17.5 points per game. You've been able to have Kia Clark shoot more around 38% from three-point range. Now, when it comes to Armand Franklin, he has been ice cold from distance all year long when it comes to Virginia, about 26% from three-point range. Sadly, has actually went up in recent games, so that shows you how bad it's been there, but I do think that guys like Francisco Caro, Farrell, 
are going to be able to do a relatively solid job down low. He's able to give this team a few rebounds per game with Notre Dame. You don't necessarily have a team that does a great job defensively. They're outside the top 150 when it comes to points allowed on a per possession basis. And by no means is this a vintage Virginia team that is going to come in and they're going to be able to lock you down. But with that said, we're talking about Virginia and their defense. They still, on a per possession basis, are okay. They are 125th in the country when it comes to possessions per game. Virginia, they are going to be finishing dead last once again in that regard. It's just in case in which Virginia, they've got their style already set in place. But when it comes to this Notre Dame team, shooting about 36% from three-point range. Prentice Hub along Trey Wirtz, two guys that really did a good job of being able to pump the ball in last season. Both of these guys are averaging, averaging single figures. They've been able to give you right around six assists per game. But I do think that Virginia is going to be able to find another gear on defense. I do think that Jane Gardner is 14.7 boards per game. Going to be big Nate Lazowski, who's been very solid for Notre Dame this season with right around eight rebounds per game. Scoring, you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him. Feels like he either gives you 20 points or he winds up giving you five points. Guy that's six foot ten has been able to pop up from three-point range, but Virginia, they do have a lot of good versatility when it comes to their team as well. So I do think that that's going to be entirely important in this game. I don't think Virginia is able to pull this game off outright. I actually think that Notre Dame is a tad bit better right now than Virginia, but being able to get four points in this spot is appealing to me. I wound up setting this line at one and a half, so won't take four year with Virginia. And I wound up setting this total at a 121 and a half, so it's a case in which I'm going to be taking a look at an under just because Virginia plays at such a slow tempo that I think that it's going to be hard for points to really be coming by. So take a look at the under and I'm going to be willing to take the points here when it comes to Virginia. How about if we wind up going with another game that's going to be in that window? SEC Big 12 Challenge, 733, 734 on the bang board. Texas Tech going to be playing us in Mississippi State. Mississippi State is finding themselves a 7-7.5 point underdog. Your tallest game is anywhere between 131.5 and 132.5. And, and, and this is a game which I take a look at Mississippi State, and I think that they're going to be able to hold in there. Mississippi State now is totally Smith back in the fold. He and Garrison Brooks have been able to combine to be able to give the team 13 rebounds per game. Both of these guys average double figures. Totally Smith, a little bit less of a versatile threat, but when it comes to Texas Tech, made this line six. Now, Texas Tech is a team that I really do like. Bryson Williams has come in from Utah, and the guy's been absolutely amazing. Averaging double figures. He's saying six foot eight. He's able to shoot 40% from three-point range, but then you take a look at the flip side for Mississippi State, and despite the fact that you've gotten nothing, and I mean nothing, out of Rocket Watts, he's been able to give you four points, two assists per game. I mean, he just has been a complete and utter afterthought. You still have Iverson Molinar giving you 17 points per game, and everything that we thought Rocket Watts was going to be has actually been Shaquille Moore. Winds up coming in from NC State. He's been able to give the team 11 points per game, shoots in the high 30s from three-point range. It's a Mississippi State team that expected them to be a little bit better on defense when it comes to possessions per game. They've actually really throttled themselves down as well. This is a team that they rank right around 275th in the country when it comes to possessions per game for Mississippi State. They actually rank in the top 25 when it comes to points scored on a per possession basis, more like 113th when it comes to points allowed. So I do think that that's going to be really intriguing with Texas Tech. Been sort of the opposite for this team. They've struggled a little bit with offensive efficiency on defense. This team has been very stout. They rank eighth in the country with regards to points allowed. So it's a good old something's got to give scenario here. And when it comes to Texas Tech, Terrence Shannon and Kevin McCullough are back in the fold. Both of these guys 
wound up missing a little bit of time. Shannon, much more so than McCullough, but both of these guys are able to combine for about 25 points per game, so I think that that's going to be very critical, but when it comes to Mississippi State, got a lot of size with this team. Someone like DJ Jeffries, who winds coming in from Memphis, he's able to give you a couple boards, he's able to be a versatile threat, being able to pop a couple threes as well. Mississippi State doesn't necessarily have as many weapons as Texas Tech. Texas Tech has guys like Davion Warren, who winds coming in from Hampton with 10 points per game. Kevin O'Banner, they will give you a couple of rebounds. Marco Santo Silva, who was actually the team's top rebounder last year, was a little bit of an afterthought until the injuries wound up cropping up. It feels like Texas Tech, they're able to come at you with darn near two of everything. But I do think that Mississippi State going to be able to hold in this game. They've been able to do a solid job on the glass. They've got a lot of size, and they do a nice job of being able to free guys up for good open looks, and a lot of those looks wind up coming inside. Texas Tech has been able to do a nice job of being able to take away the ball. Mississippi State has been able to do a good job of being able to protect the ball. Set this line at six, so I'm going to be taking a look at the points when it comes to Mississippi State. When it comes to this total, I set my total at a 132.5. Right now behind me at Circa, finding a 131.5. I'd be willing to take that over. Coming up next, going to be continuing to take a look at the college basketball betting board for this college basketball Saturday. Got over 130 games on the slate. Going to try to hit as many as possible right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit Beatson.com to check out the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Data is available for money line over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way the Beeson is here to make you a smarter better year-round. So check out today's betting splits for every single game at Beeson.com as it is a great Peterson experience right here on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. We just got a jam-packed slate today. Over 130 games on the college basketball betting board. Got about 45 or so minutes remaining until we wind up having to sign off. Have no fear. We've got you guys covered all throughout the day. Everything from betting across America along with Point Spread Sunday. I know that our man, Mr. Zeno, does an absolutely terrific job with that. And then you wind up being able to wrap it all up with myself coming back on here for the Greg Peterson experience. So we've got an absolutely great day all lined up here. We've been jumping around a little bit. We've been hitting upon some of the earlier games. We've been looking a little bit more at the middle part, but 
We haven't really hit on the Pac-12 or really the West Coast Conference. So we're going to be hitting up on some of these games here in this segment. How about if we wind up going with number one, who was number one, now number two, 793, 794 on the betting board. Well, in my opinion, they should be number one. So that's all that matters. So you always go with your power rankings. But with that said, you've got Portland and they're going to be hitting the road to face off against Gonzaga. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. Gonzaga is finding themselves a very sizable favorite. 32 points is what we're seeing pretty much across the board. Total on this game is 157. Should Gonzaga be able to win this game and win this game very comfortably? Yes. You know who's been really one of the bigger surprises out there in mid-major college basketball, though? Portland. Portland has been a team that has been absolutely terrible for many, many years. Terry Porter got Portland to one conference win his last three years on campus. I mean, Terry Porter, an absolute legend when it comes to the city of Portland, because obviously you wound up playing with the Portland Trailblazers. By the way, a little bit of trivia. He wound up actually graduating from the same conference in which is my alma in which my alma mater is in. UW Stevens Point, the good old pointers. So a little bit of something there always makes me warm my heart whenever I see folks from the WIEC, the Wisconsin Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, be able to succeed. But he certainly failed when it came to his job at Portland. Now you've been able to see Shante Leggins come in from Eastern Washington. He's been able to do a great job. He wanted bringing with him Tyler Robertson along with Michael Meadows to be able to run the backcourt. These two guys have come in from Eastern Washington. They're combined to be able to give you right around 24.5 points per game. Both of these guys shoot above 90% of the free throw line. And the big reason why Portland has been able to seek up on teams. They rank in the top five in college basketball in terms of free throw shooting percentage. They shoot 80% of the line. They bury about 34% of their threes. Main guy is Moses Wood, six foot eight combo player that comes in from UNLV. He's been able to give you a little bit over 14 points per game, shooting 46% from three-point range. Now, Gonzaga is Gonzaga. You've got Chet Holmgren along Drew Timmy, or combining for right around 16 rebounds per game. Timmy has been able to give you 18.5 points per contest. It's looked absolutely tremendous. Holmgren is able to give you 3.5 blocks per game. What I think is going to be really intriguing to watch moving forward, though, is Andrew Nelmar, because I do think that the chances of Gonzaga being able to win the national title, they really do rely upon what you're able to get out of him, because last year he was more of a sixth man for this team. This year he's been thrusted into a bigger role, and even while he was at Florida, he was a guy that was able to give his team right around five assists per game. He wound up having a couple turnover woes when you wound up seeing some step-up games for this team this season. But you take a look at what he's been able to do ever since conference play has began. And he's been nothing short of magnificent. We'll actually do this each of the last five games. Seven and a half assists to 1.8 turnovers per game in the five games that we've seen out of the team most recently. A guy that has been able to shoot 47.5% from three-point range in that time span as well. And don't sell Julian Th- Julian Strother short as well, right around 12.5 points per game. He's been able to shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range. Rajir Bolton, who is coming in from Iowa State, he's a north of 40% three-point shooter. Portland, they're going to get dump-trucked in this game. No offense or buts about it. I just don't think that they're going to get dump-trucked by 32. I set this line at 31. It's not necessarily one of these things in which... I am encouraging like a money line play here on Portland or anything like that. Don't dump the bank account thinking that perhaps you could get rich quick on the Portland money line or anything like that. But 32 is a little bit lofty. This is a Portland team that they've been able to play some respectable basketball. We've seen Gonzaga just absolutely take teams to the woodshed thus far this season. I think that the numbers have gotten a little bit too far out of the whack with the reaction to what we've seen here in the West Coast Conference. I do think that you're going to see a lot of points in this game. Portland, not necessarily a fast team, not necessarily a slow team. They're relatively efficient on offense. They're relatively inefficient on defense. I want to say my total at 165 and for Gonzaga. 
This has been one of the better over teams in all of college basketball since the beginning of the 2019-20 season. I think that that trend is going to continue. So I'm taking a look at an over in this spot, and I'm willing to take 32. When it comes to Portland, when it comes to another top 10 team out there on the West Coast, how about if we dive into a game that I think the line is a little bit too wonky on? 805-806 on the bank board. Sanford hits the road faceoff against UCLA. UCLA, a 13-point favorite. Total on this game, air between 136 and 137. Bookmakers just continue to disrespect Stanford. Is Stanford going to be a team that's going to be making the final four? No. My goodness, why are they right now a 13-point underdog? Not a Stanford team that's actually been playing relatively respectable now. The big bugaboo for the Stanford team has been turnovers. They turn the ball over a little bit over 15 times per game, but got a guy in Harrison Ingram who's going to be playing in the NBA, and he's probably going to be a first-round pick. Be able to give this team 12 and a half points per game. He chips in there right around six and a half boards. A guy that's able to shoot it well from three-point range. So I do like his overall game. Now, when it comes to UCLA, one of the most efficient teams in all of college basketball. They turn the ball over fewer than 10 times per game. And what has really been able to allow UCLA to prove that last year was not a fluke with regards to their final four run, that would be Tiger Campbell. Tiger Campbell last year shot 25% from three. He was able to do a great job with his efficiency, not turning the ball over a lot. He's been able to continue that efficiency. 4.2 assists to 1.1 turnovers per game, but now he's shooting 43% from three, 78% the free line. Has been able to give the team 11 points per game. Has been a nice little X factor for the team. Cody Riley, who wanted missing something like eight or nine games for the team earlier in the season. He's back. He's a starter that's able to give you right around eight points. Hasn't necessarily been able to do a great job on the glass end. That's where I think that this UCLA team can be at. You don't have a single guy that's giving you really more than 5.6 rebounds per game. Jaime Alcas, who is just Mr. Versatile, has been able to give the team right around 13 points, five and a half boards, a little bit over a steal per game, has been able to shoot from three-point range right around 32%. He's been able to do a terrific job for the team. And Johnny Juzang, he's a walking bucket. He's able to give you 40% three-point shooting, but when it comes to Stanford, you also have a few guys that have been a little bit banged up. They're back in the fold for this team as well. Maximine Reynad is a seven-foot-one gentleman that's able to pop threes for the team. He is back in the fold for them. That gives them a little bit of added depth. And Brandon Angel is someone I feel like a lot of people have been sleeping on as well. This is a guy that's giving you eight and a half points per game. He's been able to shoot 38% from three-point range as a six-foot-eight, a little bit of a combo player. And that's what Stanford has really been able to, I guess you could say, maximize in. These are guys that have relatively good size. They do turn the ball over a little bit too much, but they are able to shoot it from three-point range, and that's a little bit of a matchup nightmare that Sanford is able to present to a lot of teams. And you take a look at Brandon Angel, and he's really been able to play some of his best basketball lately. He wound up being able to emerge in that multi-team event that we wound up seeing in Hawaii. Unfortunately, got cut a little bit short, but take a look at the last seven games. He's been chipping in there 11.5 points per game, shooting 38% from three, 83% the free throw line. Guy that's able to give you not necessarily a ton on the glass, but three, four rebounds. That's a little bit of something. Spencer Jones has been able to chip in there 10.5 points per game along Jaden Delaire. Both of these guys give between four and five rebounds per game. Got actually some relatively solid depth when it comes to the Sanford team. And when it comes to Sanford as well, this is a team that they do a good job of being able to create second chance opportunities. They grab a little bit more than 12 offensive rebounds per game in terms of the percentage of their misses that results in an offensive rebound. They rank in the top 35 in all of college basketball. That should be able to keep them live in this game. Turnovers are a little bit of an issue, but they make up for it with being able to get second and third chances. They've been able to shoot it well from three-point range, leading the Pac-12 in conference play in three-point shooting percentage at 37.4%. So I think that Sanford's a live underdog here. It was a very simple handicap. Anything of single digits, I was willing to lay it with UCLA. Double digits, I was willing to take it with Sanford. I'm going to be willing to take it with Sanford. Now, Sanford, it's a team that ranks right around 200th in the country with regards to possessions per game. You do have a UCLA team that 
They've bumped up their tempo a little bit. Still a relatively solid team with regards to defensive efficiency, but I do think that there's a chance that you wind up getting some late game following in this one. I wound up saying the total at 144, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over in this spot, and I'm going to be taking a look at the points when it comes to Stanford. When it comes to other games out there on the West Coast, how about if we wind up hitting upon one that is going to be a tad bit later in the night? How about if we wind up going 8-11, 8-12 on the betting board? Oregon State is going to be taking on Oregon. Oregon is finding themselves a 12.5 to a 13-point favorite. Your tallest game is anywhere between 144.5 and 145. I really don't know where they're getting this total from. I do recognize that the first time these two teams wound up playing a few weeks ago, it did wind up going over, but you take a look at Oregon and Oregon State. Neither of these teams are Blazers. As a matter of fact, Oregon State is in the bottom 55 with regards to possessions per game. You take a look at both of these teams, and neither has necessarily shot it well. You've got an Oregon team that they do shoot about 35.5% from three-point range. That's respectable, but Oregon State, they are a team that they are shooting barely above 30% from three-point range. Both of these teams shoot sub-67% at the free throw line as well. So I do think that this is a little bit too high of a total. Set my total at 134. I'm going to be going under. And when it comes to what we're going to be getting on the other side, I'm going to be taking a look at a little bit more of the spread of this game and just continuing to take a look at as many games as we can fit in the final 30 hours, or final 30 hours, final 30 minutes of the Greg Peterson experience to try to make you guys some money. That's up next right here on VEASAN, Esports Bank Network. Experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you miss any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Get to replay of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vsin.com slash podcast. And from there, you're able to get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Ghost to Ghost Soups, and many more. They're all free and available now at vsin.com slash podcast or every year podcast as it is the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Peterson. Speaking of Ghost to Ghost Soups, went live about 30 minutes ago. My preview of every single game on the betting board for this college basketball Saturday. I think it wound up being 134 games after postponement slash cancellations. It was a little bit more of an interesting number. So somewhere in the neighborhood of about 132 to 135. I think that's the best way of being able to put it. So a truck ton of games. It was four hours and 34 minutes. And now we are here breaking down more games for this college basketball Saturday. Anything that you want me to dive in depth on? Got about two segments left. So about 30 minutes to get in these requests at GNRS41. Anything that I haven't hit? More than happy to. We were leaving off talking about this Oregon State versus Oregon game. Went through the total. But now when it comes to the spread, seeing this anywhere between a 12 and a half and a 13, I think it's a little bit too lofty on Oregon. Oregon has been able to switch or has been able to flip a little bit more of a switch recently. Certainly that loss that they wound up taking a few nights ago to Colorado. That was a little bit brutal as they were up in that game very early and then they wound up letting that go away. But I do think that Will Richardson is one of the best players out there in the back 12 Guy that's able to give you 14 points per game. Has been able to shoot in the mid-40s from three-point range. You've also got Davian Harmon along Jacob Young. These two guys average right around 23 points per game. But what has been really impressive for Oregon State is the fact that after they wound up getting just killed in the beginning part of the season, they wound up losing at home to UC Davis. They wound up losing at home to Princeton. I mean, list of bad losses goes on and on. They wound up 
just having a bad effort in general. They were able to get up off the mat, and Deshaun Davis has actually been the guy that has been able to impress me. 10 points, a little bit over 5 assists, and 2.3 turnovers per game now. This is an Oregon State team that they don't have a lot of three-point shooting. They shoot right around 31.3% from three-point range. It's a team that they have been able to cut down on the turnovers a little bit, but they themselves are a team that they just don't do a good job of being able to put the ball in the basket in general. They need to get a little bit more out of their backcourt. Guys like a a Dexter O'Connell have just not been able to do much of anything. Amon Rand, Maurice Kalou, these guys have size, but they aren't necessarily providing a lot of rebounding either. The only guy on the team that gives you more than 3.8 rebounds per game is Warworth Alatiche, so that's a little bit of an issue. But with that said, with Oregon shooting right around 66% of the free line, not necessarily having a lot of rebounding of their own. They don't have a single guy that gives you more than six boards per game. I do think that Oregon State is going to be able to stay alive in this game. First time these two teams wound up playing, came down to the final possession. Oregon was able to get the W. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be quite that close as I wound up saying this spread more around at 12, but we'll only think north of 12 here. When it comes to Oregon State, mostly seeing 12 and a half to 13. When it comes to the total, that is at 134. I just don't really see where the points are going to be coming from in this game. So we're going to be diving under, and it's a spot in which I am willing to take north of 12 when it comes to this Oregon State team. When it comes to what we're going to be seeing a little bit more out there on the East Coast, as we want to giving a little bit of love to the West Coast, you've got the SEC Big 12 Challenge that is going to be going on. Let's see if we haven't hit any of these games. Here we go. 635, 636. West Virginia versus Arkansas. Arkansas, the home team, finds themselves between eight and eight and a half point favorites. Your troll on this game is 141. Has been a very up and down year for both of these teams. So very fitting that they are finding themselves match up with each other. And with Arkansas, line them at an eight point favorite. At eight, I would have been a little bit more willing to lay it than take it. Now that we've gotten near to eight and a half, I think that we could wind up getting up a little bit higher as well with the way that Arkansas has been getting seamed up a little bit. I would be willing to take a shot here on West Virginia. Now, West Virginia is not the team that they've been in past years. This is a bunch of which they don't have a single guy that's giving you more than six rebounds per game. Gabe Obershowen has really been able to do that. Braylon Bridges has been able to do an okay job as well. But the guy that I think could really be an X factor for this team, that would be their transfer from Old Dominion and Malik Curry. Curry wound up starting out having a really rough run to begin the season. You expected a whole heck of a lot more out of him, and he just wound up having a disastrous start to the season. But you take a look at what he's been able to do over the last, I would say, five or so games, and it's a big reason why West Virginia has been able to find a little bit of fight with their offense. By the way, West Virginia has been a very strange team in that they wound up in non-conference play, shooting right around 60% in the free throw line. Here in conference play, they've been able to shoot darn near 80% at the free throw line. So, you don't wind up seeing that very often, but when you wind up taking a look at what you've been able to get out of Curry, this is someone that ever since the last game before Christmas against Youngstown State on December 22nd, he's been able to come alive, and he's really been able to be a key contributor for this team. He himself shoots right around 79% at the free line, but he's been averaging in this time span right around 9 points, shooting 92.5% at the line, has been able to do a good job of being able to dish out right around two and a half assists per game. He's turned the ball over only about one time per contest, so has been highly efficient there. And then you take a look at the flip side and what you're able to get out of Arkansas. It's a team that ranks in the bottom 75 in all of college basketball in terms of three-point shooting. The one guy that I do like for this team, Jalen Williams. He's been able to give the team double figures in each of the last five games, eight plus rebounds in four of them. He's been able to give you right around eight points, eight and a half rebounds, a little bit over four assists per game, chips in there, a little bit over a seal per contest as well. So he's been able to do a terrific job there. This is an Arkansas team that 
has been able to do a good job of being able to generate some swipes as well. Right around 8.3 steals per game. They themselves, though, they do turn the ball over about 13 times for contest. It's an Arkansas team that you're able to trust in at the free throw line, right around 74% at the charity stripe. But once again, where is the outside shooting going to be able to come from? Among their top six scores, you got one guy shooting above 32% for three-point range. Now, J.D. Note has been able to do a nice job of being able to put the ball in the basket. Team's out score, 19 points, two and a half assists, four and a half rebounds. He does a good job there, but... Really, other than what I mentioned a little bit earlier in Williams, you don't have a single guy giving you more than five and a half rebounds per game either. It's not necessarily as deep of a team as you typically expect as well. Trey Wade was expecting a little bit more out of him. Just three and a half points, right around two boards per game. So that's been a big giant issue for this team. And then you got Stanley Moody. He's been able to come in. He's been able to give the team 10 points per game after last season. He was over there at South Dakota, but... When it comes to this West Virginia team, I do think that they're going to be able to hold in there. This is a West Virginia bunch that likes a little bit on the glass, but at the same time, Arkansas, just not the team that you would expect to see. And with Arkansas, they have been really giving it up from the three-point arc as well. They rank outside the top 225 with regards to three-point shooting defense. So I do think that West Virginia is going to be able to hold in this game. I'm willing to take eight and a half here. When it comes to total, set it at a 144. So I have an Arkansas team that ranks in the top 50 with regards to possessions per game. It's a West Virginia bunch that they start out the year playing very slowly. They've been bumping up their tempo a little bit in conference. They've been allowing more like 73 and a half points per game. So that is a little bit of an issue for the team. But I do think that they're going to be able to play relatively even up on the glass. So I'm going to take the points here with West Virginia. And I'm going to be taking a look at and over as well. Haven't given a lot of love to the Big East yet. How about if we wind up going with the earliest Big East game on the card? This would be 603-604. Butler is going to be playing us to Georgetown. The Hoyas are finding themselves a 5-5.5 to five and a half point underdog. Total on this game, they're between 139.5 and, and 140.5. I cannot trust in a Butler team like this being able to get much more than, I would say, about 70 or so points on the board. But even with that, I'm willing to set them as a 7.5 point favorite. This is a Georgetown team that they have been remarkably bad with regards to giving up the three-point arc. Now, Georgetown, they themselves have actually been able to do a nice job of being able to put the ball in the basket. Problem is, on their home floor against Butler like two weeks ago, they wound up losing that game by double figures, and this is not a good Butler team. Butler has been able to have Bryce Enzi give them right around eight and a half points, five and a half rebounds per game. You've got Bryce Golden, the guy with size at six foot nine, who's able to shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range, shipping their nine points, four boards per game. And for Georgetown, they rank in the top 15 with regards to three-point shooting percentage at 38.5%. They've actually been solid there. Problem is, they just give up the arc like crazy. Out of 358 D1 teams, they are 320th with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. Overall field goal shooting percentage, 301st. They do not a great job of being able to force turnovers whatsoever. Now, you do have a pair of guys in Donald Carey along with Caden Rice that both give you right around 13 points per game. Rice is a little bit more of a hit-or-miss shooter, but has really been able to hit recently. Both of these guys combined to be able to shoot about 91% of the free throw line, so they do a relatively solid job there. It's why you've seen Georgetown be a very good team to the over and be a team that you really can't trust against the spread, but when it comes to this Georgetown team, what I think is going to be critical for them being able to hang in there, Amino Muhammad, 13.5 points, shooting 38% from three-point range, is able to give you eight boards per game. Only guy on this roster, really, other than Timmy Ofahogi, who's been able to do a good job there, or Eagle Hofe. 
I think that I said it correctly the second time. That's a little bit of a tough one to pronounce. He's been able to give the team seven boards per game, but with Igor Hofe, he's been only able to play in 10 games this season, so the team down low has been a little bit of a mess. Ryan Matumbo has not been able to pan out for the team whatsoever. And then when it comes to Butler, you've got Aaron Thompson. They will give you right around four and a half assists per game. He's been able to do a terrific job with that aspect of it. You've also been able to get a few other guys back in the fold as well. This is a team that they were far less than 100% at the beginning of the year. Bo Hodges has been able to come back. I fully expect him to be a guy that can you can rely upon to be able to give you like eight points, five rebounds per game. And then on top of that, Jair Bolden has been able to give the team right around eight points per contest. He's a guy that's able to shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range. So Seth Butler is a seven-point favorite. This is a spot in which I wound up setting the total at a 134.5. So we're going to be diving under to go along with Butler in the final segment. Big finish going to be refreshing by DK Nation play of the day that we've got for Saturday and going to be looking at as many other sides and totals as humanly possible. Next, right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It's never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure that VSIN is part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs and then on championship weekend we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on vsin.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast it's one of the biggest games of the year so make sure to make plans to join vsin the sports betting experts here before during and after all the action right here on vsin.com as it is the final segment of the greg peterson experience but have no fear after i'm all done here we've got you covered all throughout the day Lots of preview of the NFC and a- NFC and AFC championship games. Along with that, lots of updates when it comes to what is going to be a rambunctious college basketball Saturday. So we've got you locked and loaded. We've got you all covered there. And how about if we wind up going with everything that we're seeing on college basketball on the Saturday? We've got the SEC versus Big 12 challenge, which is the basis of my DK Nation pick. If you want to missing it, that I wound up giving out right around 11 p.m. Pacific time, 2 a.m. Eastern. Well, you're in luck because we're going to go back through it. It is Alabama versus Baylor, 703-704 on the betting board. Right now, you're finding Baylor as a three-point favorite, mostly right around a 150 to a 150 and a half when it comes to the total. And the basis of this is going to be the side end. We're going to be bypassing the points with Alabama, seeing a couple three and a half pop up as well. 
We're going to be bypassing the points. We're instead going to be looking at that juicy plus 140 on the money line. I do think that Alabama is in a good spot to be able to bounce back. They want taking that terrible loss to Georgia. And for that matter, ever since they wanted being able to get their big giant win over Gonzaga, Alabama's only been able to cover one spread since then. But you do have a Baylor team that they rank outside of the top 250 when it comes to free throw shooting percentage. Got an Alabama team that they've still got the duo in Javon Quinterly along Jaden Shackelford that's able to give you 31 and a half points per game. Alabama has quite a few cogs down low, including James Ross, now in the fold, who's able to help this team out from a depth perspective from a depth perspective. And then with Alabama, Keon Ellis is someone I think is really going to be a Swiss Army knife and is a guy that is going to be able to put this team over the top. I just don't know if there's someone on Baylor that's going to be able to match up with them because with Keon Ellis, he's able to give you right around 12 points per game. A guy that does a good job of being able to get to the free throw line, has been able to chip in their six half boards, right around two assists per game. A guy that generates a little bit over a over two steals per game as well. So he's able to do a wide variety of things very well for the team. Also shoots right around 35% from three-point range. And when it comes to Baylor, the team has been dominant defensively. This is a team that they do rank in the top five with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. That has been what has really been hurting Alabama. When Alabama was able to have all their success last season, they were in the top 30 nationally. With regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis, that is outside the top 150 now. But I do think that Alabama is going to get back to basics if there is a coach I trust in to be able to do so. It is Nate Oates. Alabama, no doubt they play at a very frenetic pace. They are in the top 40 with regards to possessions per game. But this is still a team that is pretty lethal on offense. Despite the fact that they shoot around 32% from three-point range, which is outside the top half of all of college basketball, it's a bunch of which they are still number 31 in all of college basketball when it comes to points scored on a per-possession basis. It's because they do such a good job of being able to get the ball in down low. Though you've got a lot of guys that they do like to be able to shoot it from three-point range. These guys, they do a nice job of being able to get the ball down low. Noah Gurley, a transfer from Furman, has been able to do a good job of being able to shoot things up down low. Able to give you right around seven points, four rebounds per game with Alabama. In terms of two-point shooting percentage, they do rank in the top 20 in all of college basketball as well, which that is relatively impressive now for Baylor. Jonathan Chamachacho was able to give you 8.75 rebounds per game, but the big fear with this team is that they're going to, for one, have quite a few turnovers from James Akinjo, a guy that's had a little bit more than three for contest. And two, mentioned it a little bit earlier, just the free throw shooting percentage in general. When you're outside the top 275, that does make things a little bit more difficult. And for Akinjo, he's been a little bit banged up, wound up returning in recent games and has looked a little bit better. But still, it's a guy that here in conference, he has had a couple more turnovers than what you'd like to see as well. So I do think that that is going to be something that rears its ugly head. Alabama is a team that they're not necessarily terrific at being able to force turnovers, but at the same time, they're certainly not bad. And for Akinjo, I mentioned a little bit earlier, in the last two games, he scored a combined five points. So that is something that you certainly do want to be taking a look at. And for that matter, you take a look at it from Thanksgiving on. He certainly has had his turnover woes. I mentioned the fact that overall this year, it's right around three per game. Ever since then, it's been more like 3.2 per contest with only about 4.8 assists. That's not necessarily efficient. He shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range. So I do think that Alabama in a good spot here at home. I do think that Tuscaloosa is one of the better home court advantages that you're going to find in all of college basketball. I think that it's going to be able to uplift Alabama to victory. I think that Alabama gets back to their defensive approach. I think that the total should be more like a 144. So I'm going to be diving under with Alabama. I'm going to be taking them outright on the money line as I wind up setting them as a favorite. So that's where we're going to be looking with the DK Nation play for this Saturday. When it comes to Saturday, we've already hit on some early games. We've hit on some late games, but we have yet to hit on number one. How about if we go 629, 630 on the betting board 
Oklahoma going to be in the road faceoff against Auburn. Auburn is finding themselves here between nine to nine and a half point favorites. Toronto's game has dipped big time. You're seeing it anywhere between a 135 and a half and a 136 and a half. Actually, it's not dipped. It's risen because the opener was 135 and a half. Now we're seeing in some places as high as a 138. So you've seen a big rise and I agree with the move. I wound up setting this total in the low 140s. So we're going to be taking a look at and over in this spot. When it comes to Auburn, I do think that this is a team that should be able to get the job done in relatively convincing fashion. Set them as a 12-point favorite with Auburn. They wound up having that big giant hiccup against Missouri. And they were very lucky to be able to escape that game against Missouri because Consul Martin forgot the fact that, oh yeah, when there's a differential between clock and game clock, of about three to four seconds, and I'm down by one point. I sort of should fell here, but that was certainly fascinating there. And when it comes to Auburn, this is a team that they lead all of college basketball with regards to block shots per game. You've got Walker Kessler giving you north of four blocks per contest. He leads all power five players with that regard. And for Oklahoma, it's been a team that has been looking to throttle down a little bit more under this Porter Mosier style, as we know, comes in from Loyola Chicago, a team that is very notorious for being able to play a little bit more defense-oriented, really be able to control things. And for Oklahoma, to their credit, they do have five different guys. They're able to give you at least nine points per game. You've been able to have Jalen Hill be able to give you nine and a half points, six half rebounds per game. I just don't know who winds up matching up with Walker Kessler. And for two, we've got an Auburn team that they generate right around nine steals per game. This is an Oklahoma bunch that they are in the top 25 with regards to turnovers per game to the bad because they wind up turning the ball over a little bit over 15 times for contest. This is a team that they've been able to do a nice job on the glass, but they themselves don't get a lot of rebounds. Their opponents, they don't get a lot of rebounds. So you see a lot of one and done possessions when it comes to Oklahoma games. But with Oklahoma, what else is a little bit concerning for the team? Download, they're right around 135th in the country with regards to opponents, two-point shooting percentage. They do a little bit of a better job of being able to guard the arc, but Auburn has done a good job of being able to trot away a little bit more from having to cast away from three-point range as much. You do have a guy in Katie Johnson that's able to give you a little bit over two steals, 12 points per game. This is a team that has now back their top score from last year, at least top returning score in Allen Flanagan. He hasn't necessarily looked like himself quite yet, but has been able to give this team right around seven to eight points per game. He's a good addition. And then Jabari Smith is a six foot ten freshman that I think is going to be a top five pick in the NBA draft. About 15 points, six and a half boards, two assists, 1.3 steals per game, and at his size, shoots over 40% from three-point range. Guys, the total package, I think that Auburn should be able to roll in this spot, set them as a 12-point favorite. With the total, I agree with the move. Set this total at 142, got an Auburn team that they rank in the top 75 with regards to possessions per game. Oklahoma is looking to throttle down, but defense is not necessarily beneficial. They turn the ball over a lot, and I do think that Auburn is going to be able to do a good job of turning defense into offense. So, one late here with Auburn. And I'm going to be taking a look at the over. We've really got time for about one more game that we are able to hit. So how about if we wind up making it a good one? NC State versus North Carolina, 647-648 on the betting board. North Carolina find themselves at DraftKings, a seven-point favorite. Other places you're going to be finding anywhere between a 7.5 and an 8. And your turn-on scheme is 150. And with North Carolina, wind up setting them as a 9.5-point favorite. Anything of single digits, one late here with North Carolina. North Carolina is not a team that I'm necessarily high on, but you take a look at this NC State bunch, and they appear to be rudderless as well. They were expecting some very good things out of Manny Bates this year, a guy that has been one of the better shot blockers in all of college basketball in his two years on campus. Well, he wound up playing like five minutes this year before he wound up getting ruled out for the season. And for North Carolina, you've got a pair of guys in Brady Manick, 
along Dawson Garcia at both stand six foot eight or taller. And both of these guys are able to give you right around five to six rebounds per game. And both guys shooting the high 30s from three-point range. I do like what they're able to do. And then you got RJ Davis along with Caleb Love. Both of these guys in the backcourt both give you between four and four and a half assists per game. They're able to combine for about 28 points per game. And they shoot both above 40% from three-point range in North Carolina, a top 20 team when it comes to three-point shooting percentage. Now, I did wind up setting this total more around a 153 and a half. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. Big reason why is because for one, you do have an NC State team that not only are they in the top 65 with regards to possessions per game, but they also do have a team that doesn't turn the ball over at all. This is a bunch of which they've been in terms of turnovers on a per possession basis in the top 20 in all of college basketball. But you also take a look at what you've been able to get out of Terquavius Smith as well. And this guy has been very dynamic. He has been able to give the team right around 16 and a half points per game ever since the beginning of the month of December as they shoot it well from three-point range. So take a look at the over and I'm willing to lay with North Carolina. Got a lot of games on the betting board. If I miss anything, the Coast to Coast Hoops podcast has you covered. And here at VSET, we've got you covered with everything on this most wonderful Saturday. Everything to get you prepared for the NFL and college basketball is right here on the Sports Bank Network, VSET. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.